Welcome to the Young, Fun, and Sober podcast. I am your host, Blazik, aka Sober Guy Journal. And I'm Julia, also known as That One Sober Friend on TikTok. Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change anything except to feel more emotionally slow down. Life's a merry go round. Things ain't merry when you're going through the motions, fulfillment, lies, and emotions. So why go through life unavailable? You're unfailable. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Young, Fun, and Sober podcast. We're on a balcony, and we have, we have a different format this week for sure. Um, so no Julia this week, no Julia, and we have a guest, but it's an in-person guest. I think my mic be might be a little hot. Alright, if it was distorted, it shouldn't be distorted now, so sorry everyone about that. Um, but our guest this week is my buddy, Tyler Keenan. What's up, everybody? So, this person probably knows me better than 99.9% of my friends, which makes him the one percenter. Back, um, back at you, by the way. Back at me. And Julie and I had talked about doing an episode where we have one of our friends on and we can talk about like our drinking days versus now because Tyler's obviously seen both sides of that. Um, so yeah, we just thought that might be a fun episode. So today we're going to do me and my friend in the future. Julia will do one with one of her friends and yeah, that's, that's kind of the plan today. So I thought a question that we could All right. open this up with. I didn't know where we were going to go with this, so I'm open-minded. Whatever yeah. you got, man. I only have one question planned, so All right. we're going to have to wing the rest of it. Sounds like a plan. Um, <laughs> when did you realize that I had a drinking problem? Was there like a defining moment? We've never talked about this. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Was there a moment... Honestly, man, I don't think there was a moment. There was like, well, let's add some context. So we met in college. And after I graduated school, I moved to Seattle. So like, we've been super, super close. But most of our relationship and friendship has been over text. A little bit of like voice messages. So when you think about how much time we've really spent in person together over the past like seven years, it's not that much. That's true, that's true. It's probably like a week or something, you know what I mean? So what's unique about that is I get a perspective of you that you usually don't share with other people because we're talking on voice notes, we're texting. But with that also, like, I have a lot of gaps in like when I see you and how you show up because technically like, when you have a relationship based on text or voice messages, you can just show what you want, right? Yeah. So I would say like, it was never a defining moment where I was like, oh shit, I think you might have a problem. It was, it was more so like a slow burn of like, a vague sense that you weren't okay. And I, I, I thought like alcohol might be at the core of it. But there was never like a moment where like, that's it. I know he has a problem. He needs help. It was yeah. never like that. It was more like, I have the sense like maybe you're not okay. And I think maybe you're drinking a lot. It was kind of more like that energy. Would I hide it or would I not mention it? or would, I don't even remember. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, there's things that I've learned about you just from the podcast that you had never shared with me. Like, um, You listen? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> like, uh, you know, when you talk about the days where you might drink before work yeah. or before dates or before classes at, like, at university, I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't realize that, like, you were using it as a crutch in that aspect. So had I known some of that, I think I would have more quickly had a sense that um, there was a problem. But, like, you weren't necessarily putting that on the forefront when you were talking to me, you know? Right. What's funny is, like, I didn't even think that that was a pro- Like, I didn't know at the time that that was a problem. Like, I remember... Here's how much I didn't know it was a problem. I remember my first day at Appfolio. Mm-hmm. A company that I worked at. I guess I'm airing that company name out. Um, my first day there, I had just met my new roommate. I moved to Dallas. I had a new roommate. And I, I, like, I was just in the kitchen pouring vodka into my Gatorade. And I'll never forget my roommate like turned the corner and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, like I got first day jitters. Like I'm just going to drink before. Yeah. And I, I remember his face was like, huh. But I didn't like I was so I was that open with it. Yeah. To where I was like, what? So had had you been around people in your life where that just wasn't unacceptable or it just wasn't commented on, or did you keep it more private? Or what do you, um, what do you think that? Why was that moment different than other times? Well, it, it I don't think it was different. I think it was just his reaction, yeah. like, or and maybe like my friends just kind of knew it was to, yeah used that, to, used that to was it. your thing yeah 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 because like when i lived with the twins and all i would do it then yeah. before class and like also i had the excuse of college then yeah i like, mean it's when you're in college part of the culture when you're in college you can kind of get away with that type of shit maybe people talk behind your back but i mean you can just be like oh i'm in college like that it is what it is yeah it's 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 so crucial to the culture, unfortunately. So when I'm when I would text you or like, are there any cues when I'm like texting you or anything that that you're like, oh, he's been drinking? Not that I can think of, man. It, <laughs> it was more like. And th- I'm glad that this is your perspective yeah. because this is what I try and like communicate on the podcast. Sometimes it's like I wasn't unhinged. Yeah. Like I was not an unhinged person when I drank. I really only did it to just like try and get back to baseline. That was the whole goal of it is like, I'm anxious, I'm up here and I want to bring it down to baseline. That was like the only reason that I drank. It wasn't, and like, that's where I feel like some people don't realize they can have a drinking problem or an unhealthy relationship with alcohol is like, cause yeah. you're not going unhinged. You're just trying to feel normal. Right. Yeah. It was like, it was like, so there was a vague sense that like you weren't doing great and that alcohol was being used in some regard. But also like there was a sense there where it's, I kind of think about it cause I have, I have this too, where I think we all kind of live in a box that we kind of create for ourselves. And the size of that box can like shrink and expand. It depends on your life situation. It depends on what's going on in your relationships, but like, I felt like you had this really snug box around you and I knew that it you could make it bigger and I thought like there was a point there I think it was probably summer 2020 when I got back from my trip in Asia 
where I was like, dude, your box is so small. And then I thought maybe alcohol was keeping it small. What do you mean by box was small? Like, uh, you, I could see so much potential in the way you could transform your life, but you were just kind of like going with the flow and like you, you were doing, you know, like a job that, I mean, it's a great job, but you have the capacity to do more than that. And, um, same thing with your connections with women and stuff and dating. I could just see how like you had all this room to like build whatever you wanted, but for some reason something was kind of keeping you dialed in. Yeah. And I think alcohol did that for you where it allowed you to keep your box a little smaller than it needed to be, but feel comfortable there. It's like a compressor. Just like, yeah, exactly, man. And I have that too. Like when I first moved here, my box shrank big time and it's hard to get it bigger. But like, I think what sobriety has done for you in a lot of ways, it's freed you up to just boom, expand the box. Like, and now you have more room to play where, you know, a few years ago, that box was really tiny with work and with friendships and with relationships. Um, so that's like where I see the biggest difference is like you weren't unhinged. No. But the space you're playing in is way bigger and way more exciting to watch as a friend, you know. I'm trying to think why that is. I think one one part of it is just like everything's uncomfortable. Yeah. So you get used to being uncomfortable in a way. Mm. So like, and then when you're used to being uncomfortable, you mean in sobriety? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're used to being uncomfortable, then you can do more uncomfortable things. Um, which is like obviously where everything else lies, like yeah. on the other side of uncomfortable. Um, there's that, and then there's just like you, your bullshit radar kind of starts getting a lot harsher mm -hmm. so it's like i can't go on these bullshit dates anymore where i'm we drink till three in the morning mm -hmm. and like nothing you know there's no connection there but i can trick myself into it if yes I drink. the self-deception that's what i was thinking about like yeah you can't deceive yourself as easily when you're not leaning on the things that kind of numb you out yeah whether it's alcohol or something else but like whatever it is that kind of numbs you out you can kind of bullshit your, in that state. You can kind of like do a bunch of mental gymnastics For sure. and be like, no, this is cool. This is cool. I'm just living life. But really you're numbed out Yeah. and you actually just don't have the capacity to recognize like, oh, this is bullshit. And you have to make that decision when you're sober. Cause if you're trying to make that decision, like when you're drinking, like it's hard to, it's hard when you're actually drinking in the sense of like, I have liquor in my system or yeah. alcohol in my system. It's hard to dial in on like, that's when I would just feel so warm and fuzzy and like, this feels normal mm. and I should send this text and I should do this. And it's almost like that was my reality and being sober was like mm. the, that wasn't reality. I got to that stage. I mean, it makes, it makes sense, man. Like it feels like uh, what you're describing. It's like when you were, using it it felt like that was more real than reality yes and reality was sober state was like so uncomfortable that it couldn't be the baseline yeah i mean i guess that's what i told myself like i always said that i drank to feel normal yeah and i've heard other people say that like oh the first three drinks are just to me to for me to feel normal um so yeah, you just get to that point where you're justifying like, and it's such a common, th like in your world, it's not common though, right? Like 
Did your parents drink or anything? My parents, there really wasn't alcohol around in my house. Uh, my extended family, um, my dad's side's Irish, so there yeah. was some drinking, you know. Um, but it was it, it was typically functional, and it was never. I never. I just wasn't around it too much, you know. Yeah. Um, my dad really didn't drink. My mom didn't drink, so I didn't see that modeled all that much. You know, I I'd, definitely saw that modeled. Is like you know, drinks in the evening. Yeah. Unwind, and then you see it on TV shows. That's like honestly, the past year, that's been one of my biggest triggers, is mm. I'm watching Netflix, and then they have wine at night to unwind, and that'll like trigger me, because that's just what I want. Yeah, yeah, I get it, man. I mean. You know, I haven't had struggles with alcohol in particular, but I remember when I was in college, I was watching Mad Men, and watching Mad Men, you know, these these uh, ad executives from the 60s going to the office and just drinking whiskey, and, like, I noticed that I would drink whiskey. Just, like, Watch. I wanted to just drink more whiskey because it, like, looked cool, right? Like, right. I think we're all susceptible to to the influence of the culture and... Um, particularly when it is your your thing that you cling to I mean yeah I get it man like that's not a fun position to be in but yeah so what's been like the most fun part for you on the outside so like I've been on the sobriety journey almost two years now dude believe it or not wild. almost two years this June this June will be two years uh, now I've had slip-ups during that time but like what's been the most fun for you on the outside looking in i mean man it's been amazing to be a part of it and to hear especially that first year was it fun to hear the first i year? mean <laughs> when i say fun fun maybe not so much so we can talk about like what's actually fun about it but also like the beauty of seeing you get through that initial like seemingly impossible phase of like when you would go on these long ass walks and just send me messages and I could just tell like you were going through it bro and like as a friend I know that like I can be there for you but I can't do it so so for me it's just like damn this kid's fucking doing it and that feeling is is amazing even um, not long ago when you kind of had a bit of a shift in the way you communicated about sobriety I could feel it in you and when I can feel that change, it makes me proud, man. Like, you've just done so much work. And sure, there's been little fluctuations, but that's, that's how life is. So for me, the fun part has been seeing you as a person go from, like, viewing using alcohol as your baseline to be comfortable to mm -hmm. breaking through that enough to, like, be so uncomfortable that it's unbearable it's like unbearable but to, to see you break through it I mean that was magical man I mean and you haven't gone through it yourself in different ways yeah yeah I kind of yeah I have I have my challenges like for me it's not it's not alcohol it's more so food yeah. you know I've, I've had some challenges around eating disorders in the past and so I know that the hopelessness before the breakthrough is like so real man you it's, know like the walk yeah I know that that walk in the sense of like it truly is a, it could be a hopeless place but there's like just enough hope to where you just keep walking yeah because you think maybe you think maybe it's gonna work out but it's so small but like 
that little ember of hope when you're on the walk like just gotta keep blowing on that like there's there's just moments where it's fine if the fire of freedom and the fire of sobriety is not burning yet you just gotta focus on that ember in the fire just be like there's enough there yeah just keep walking or to text your friend or to call somebody and say yo i'm struggling like just wanted to let you know like that's the pivotal moment where the transformation happens at least from what i've seen in you and in myself too that text is magical like i don't i think it's just literally like i can't let them i can let them down but i don't want to let them down now like i'm for me it's not even that i have to be on the phone with anyone i just want to be like hey i'm i'm feeling it i'm feeling it and then that alone can alleviate the pressure just enough to where i can move forward yeah and like get through that that at least craving yeah there's something about just acknowledging like i'm going through it Mm -hmm. and even just saying that it's kind of like it doesn't free you from anything but it does like lighten it a little you know what i mean yeah because it is such an isolating experience to go through a craving alone and it's like you know no one can save you from it but like putting it out there is cathartic and like same with this podcast I'm sure you've had a ton of moments and Julia too moments of like just pure catharsis you know yeah yeah so (laughs) obviously this has been a long time of like we talk every day so even before like maybe even like the the six months leading up to me getting sober I'm there was a lot of like talk about it at that time you know was there like frustrating moments for you not maybe not even Mm. a specific thing but like what was frustrating for you like seeing from the outside things so clearly that's a good question man I, I think if like the frustration because we get frustrated Sure, we can be generally frustrated, but we typically are frustrated in things and other people that bring up stuff on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when I see you, uh, you know, doing mental gymnastics about maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll do sobriety, maybe it'd be good. But it's be, if that fires me up, it's because I know that I've done that about things, right? Yeah. So, like, the, the, the time when you were kind of, like, dipping your toes, like, it was a little frustrating. But you had you had to go through that dipping your toe in because i feel like to truly buy into what you're committing to you have to kind of know to some extent that you've tried these other options like you have to have the data points yeah it's 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 like any uh, it's like any advice like i could tell you this is going to happen if you do this thing but if you haven't lived it you're probably going to make the mistake that's why like we talk, we kind of make fun of the self-help, the advice, the gurus, the five steps. It's not that it's completely worthless, but it's just that like, you couldn't think your way into that sobriety faster. You had to go through that period of like, maybe be good for me, but maybe I can just drink less or maybe Mm -hmm. I can find this happy medium. That's cool. I did that same, same shit with food. I would convince myself like, oh, maybe, you know what? Maybe I can like diet or eat in a certain way and it won't like bring me to my knees but 
it just didn't work that way for me. But I, I would try it. You know, yeah. say, oh, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can, yeah, it's like weigh myself X amount of times or just like weigh out my food every now and then. But like, if you have a brain that is, you know, conducive to these types of addictions and obsessions, like, you can play that game for as long as you want, but eventually you're going to find out if it works or not. And I think you found out that, like, well, that's what you have to be it's a weird balance of like not only getting enough data points but also being smart enough to listen to the data points because you could easily go your whole life doing it Mm -hmm. if you're not like observant but i've heard the saying like i drank myself into sobriety and like i heard one person they were like what's the biggest advice you can get give to somebody that wants to get sober and they were like drink even harder which like damn for me i don't know that that's great advice but yeah. i i get the the theory of it like hey go out there and drink till you like actually don't want to do it anymore mm-hmm. because for me it was my body shutting down like obviously i wasn't reaching a lot of my potential um mentally i guess like you know physically i was always kind of in shape and all yeah. but not like i am in sobriety but not bad and but like I just wasn't reaching my potential spiritually professionally all of that and I would sadly I was like okay with that because I had the comfort at night of wine but my body was starting to give out where I couldn't drink and wake up and go to work and feel okay the way that I used to and so I was starting to hit this wall where I was like fuck like I I don't know what I'm going to do because this isn't sustainable the way that it had been in my youth. Yeah, I I think like the the advice around drink, just go out and do it. Like I think that there's a truth in that where it's like you can't think your way into these changes. Because if it was that easy, man, like no one would need this podcast, no one would need anything like we could just think, oh, you know what? I have enough information to just make the change, but that's not how we work. We can't that's just true. get the information and make the change. Typically, there has to be some level of pain where the pain outweighs the benefit. Like, But until you get there, you can't, I mean, I don't want to speak in ultimate, in ultimate black and white, but like, there's a moment where the pain tips the balance and then you make a change but until then you know the incentive just not quite there that is what's interesting is like it can be like i don't i don't think anyone really knows what makes you switch over yeah because if they knew then yeah like you said there would be no need for 12 steps or podcasts or but and that's why everyone's journey is so unique to them is because you know what what's rock bottom for one person might be like the tip of the iceberg for another they might have to hit a way different rock bottom so everyone's journey is like their own and that's for me that's what i think of when i see other people and they might frustrate me uh like if you know most common theme would be like the other tiktokers when they're struggling uh when i'm doing good you know when i'm struggling it's okay (laughs) but when i see other people struggling when i'm doing good it's like i can feel that frustration and I'm just like, 
Ugh. but I know that it's their journey the same way it's my journey. Like, I'm sure it's frustrating for Julia when I slip up, you know? But it's just, like, different journeys. Yeah. And I don't... I don't want that. Like, I don't want to slip up. I don't... I'm sure other people don't want to slip up. It's just, like, something bigger is at play. It's a big thing, you know? It's a big monster to try and tackle. And you're going to have moments of weakness, which sucks. Yeah. I mean, it really is at the end of the day. I mean, it's a single-player game. You can look at other people and there's a natural desire to compare or to empathize or sympathize or you know whatever the case may be but at the end of the day you are going through your life experience it's completely unique yep. and you get to decide you get to have the experience and it might be inspiring or useful to look around but really like it's all here yeah I just kind of look at the podcast and the 12 steps and all of that as tools because I do think they're helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, They can keep you sober in moments. They can keep you sober in periods. And sometimes you need that until you can get to, you know, points where you're more comfortable. Totally. Um, The interesting thing for me, though, is like, I'm going to have a hard time trusting myself in sobriety again. Yeah. Because I had almost 300 days that's so many days and at day 250 you could have never convinced me that I would have drank again so like that's always going to be something moving forward where I'm like I still I need to do the podcast I need to listen to the podcast I need to hit some sobriety events I need to do that like maintenance work that's annoying as fuck honestly because yeah. dude sometimes you can go to meetings and I'll be honest about this people can be boring <laughs> like it's just you know some people's stories aren't or they ramble or you know like and sometimes I'm that person like it's not always the most fun entertaining thing it's like I want to skip this but it's like when those moments come when you need it it's better to have 52 straight weeks of me podcasting or 52 straight weeks of me going to meetings whatever that might be in my back pocket where I'm like well at least I'm supported because when I relapsed you know the main time last year it was like I hadn't gone to any meetings in months I hadn't done anything sobriety related I was just living sober Mm. and if you have kind of like that gene I don't know if it's a gene I have or what but it's like, if I drink tonight, I will want to drink at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. That's a count on it, 100%. So if you have that, you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. So you do feel like you kind of let off the gas there towards the end of the 300 days? On the sobriety work, yeah. Like, really, when Ramsey and I were dating, it was just like, life was pretty easy. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like I had got a lot of my stuff in order, and then, like, we were together... And it was just like, life felt so easy. And I was like, what's there really else to tackle? Which is when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Dude, I know. I, I hate that it's that way. When, when like, stuff's comfortable and you don't have to challenge yourself, that's, that's when it gets scary. I hate how it works that way, man, but it, it does. It does. Like, 
That's when the universe has to step in and shake things up for you. It, it, it does. It, and it's... I'm going to walk in and make sure the camera's still going, but I'm going to keep talking. But, but it's odd because in those moments, when things are going well and you're doing the work, sometimes it feels like, well, why am I even doing the work? <laughs> like, I'm showing up and nothing's really changing and I'm kind of bored and things are great so like can't i pump the brakes yeah and i feel that you know i feel that like i i go to therapy I, I'm, I'm doing group therapy now which is an interesting dynamic but it's like uh sometimes i'm like shit things are great why do i need to go to therapy but i know in the because in the past I've, I've made that same mistake where i neglected the self-work when things are going well and then of course things fall apart because the thing that built the foundation for things to get great, you stop doing. Yep. So it's a trick of the mind. It's like you do all these amazing things and you build you build up to like, wow, this is great. But for some reason our dumb monkey brains <laughs> think that you can just let it coast there and stop doing all the behaviors that led to that. And it's like you just gotta learn that lesson, man. And you can like again. You can't teach the, you can't just tell someone that that and they think okay great I mean I, I can see ways that I do that today still it's just natural you kind of you let off the gas a little bit when things are going well and the universe will yeah kind of kick your ass back into place a little bit and then you start the work again but it's part of the journey I think it's exhausting though too like but man I gotta say like almost every time that I do push myself. It is rewarding, you know? Yeah. Like, so, and I think there's like a real dopamine hit that comes from, I don't want to do this. I did it. Now I feel dopamine. Mm -hmm. I think that is a natural progression. Um, so when you do get comfortable, it does make sense that you're not doing anything challenging. You, then the dopamine starts to shrink. And also just to go to like relationships, um, you know, historically, I've put a lot of, like, pressure, happiness in relationships. Um, and it's easy for me to stop doing the things that I want to do. Yeah. And, or, or the, just the challenging things, you know. Like, I thought I did a good job of that in my last relationship, but the one thing that I, that I left the, or let the gas up on was creating. Mm. And it's such a big part of my life. I just, I didn't do anything on the sober side I didn't do like any music I just kind of like ooh, let off the gas and so like it makes sense that a part of me was missing mm -hmm. because it just yeah like that's part of me yeah it's the creative things double tough too though because because when you're when you are relating to someone you're in a relationship you're combining your lives in certain ways and creativity is such a solo endeavor dude like it is it just is something that you do by yourself and so to make that happen you have to be so intentional about it and that's not easy to do especially when you're falling in love and you're just enjoying each other and it's like you know it's just the nature of things but I think that allows us to, un to understand that allows us to be kind of gracious to ourselves about it and be like you know what it makes sense that I did these things. Yeah. That's okay. I'll, I'll learn that lesson, and next time I'll find better ways to maybe carve out some time each week to do my creative stuff. But, like, I think it's perfectly natural to 
um, as you engage with someone else in your life consistently to neglect certain parts or let it go a little bit. And some things are actually okay to let go of. Like you can yeah. find, there are certain aspects of your life, you know what, I didn't really need that too much and that's okay. But there's other things that later come up and you're like, oh shit, that was crucially important and I stopped doing it. Right. But you can't, again, it's retroactive. You look back at it and you see it and it's super clear. But in the moment, it just felt like everything was great. Dude, that, I mean, that's how I, like, to, to loop it back into sobriety, that's how I felt all during my drinking days. I never thought anything was wrong. Like, I, I never thought, like, oh, if I get sober, my life's going to get way better. Like, you never I, thought that? No, not once. I thought I'm going to get sober because I'm tired of being tired. I mean, maybe that's, I thought, oh, my life will get better and I won't be hungover. But I never thought, like, oh, I'll have better. I mean, I think I told you this. Like, I I thought I couldn't date if I was sober. Like, I thought that wasn't possible. And now in Austin, like, I mean, I'm not kind of dating, you know. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm me- like. You're out there. Yeah. And just sober as like sober as fuck how do you think that how do you think that belief was ingrained that like somehow every date that i went on was drinks it's just because you created that i created that story of like when i do this thing i'm this way i've never done it differently so that just must be how it is yeah did you think other people drank before like you, did you feel like other people used it as a tool in the same way? Or? Not everyone did, yeah. Yeah. And I will say, like, even now when I ask women out for coffee and stuff, they're like, oh, what a switch up. So, mm-hmm. like, that proves to me that it is, at least in Kansas City, you know. like Yeah. I mean, Midwest. drinking on dates is, it's usually the go-to. Yeah, it alleviates a lot of nervous feelings that we all have when we go on dates, I think. So... Yeah, but, like, now dating is easier than it's ever been for me. Tell me more about that. What, how do you think about it when you say easy? I'm not, I don't, there's no nerves for me to kill. Mm. Because I'm just, like, meeting someone. Like, okay. I don't even right. know if I like them. Right. So why would I have any nerves? I'm just, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm walking into the coffee shop, but it's the same nerves but I would get if I was meeting a guy at yeah. a coffee you know like some random person i met on instagram and that's so interesting because what changed all that like from what i'm hearing it's like alcohol was removed but what really happened was that space from alcohol all it really allowed you to do was to understand reality better <laughs> because right because what you just said was things got easier well how they get easier because you understand it differently <laughs> So the way you're thinking about it is different. So it's not that like removing alcohol inherently got rid of anxiety. It's that anxiety went away when you realized there were no stakes. Nothing at stake. See, it's, it's like, but when we're in the addiction, the, the, the beliefs that we have around what's at stake and what the risk is and why we should be anxious, you don't have the space to get away to figure out the truth of reality. Okay, like what is it? like? If I go sober and drink this coffee in front of this girl, what is it like? Well, then you get in touch with what's actually happening, and then you can re you can rewire your brain to understand the truth of it. Yeah. And then then of course, like you said, everyone gets nervous for different reasons, but like you understand the entire world differently. 
Yeah, the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the truth is you're going to meet someone new. You don't even know if you'll like them. You don't know if, you know, if you'll vibe or not. Maybe it'll be the best day of your life. Maybe it'll be boring. But, yeah. like, that's all there is to it. Yeah. And that's – it's so freeing. I mean – Yes. I, I literally just don't even if if drunk Blazik or like drinking Blazik could see the way I go on dates now and the way I just like set, set lean back like yeah. just chilling um, I don't think he would believe it I really don't he couldn't he couldn't fathom it though couldn't he couldn't it. even imagine it yes yeah. I mean I I would have three drinks i remember if i had two drinks minimum before a date i was like i'm basically here sober like yeah i remember feeling that and who knows how strong those pores were because those like <laughs> i would do liquor before dates man oh, damn yeah. um and yeah. that just w- it would ease the sensation of anxiety it would make you feel more confident or <laughs> honestly i don't something like when you ask that question it's funny because it's like no amount could have could have eased it like Mm -hmm. i still felt it but i think i just thought oh i'll be smoother in the moment i'll be more confident in the moment um yeah i don't know that i ever felt like totally at ease as i went into the date it's wild man i know yeah it's that that's been the one that definitely stands out for me the most like if i look at my whole life in sobriety and like where i've made the biggest growth or the biggest jump. Well, what what do you think it is? is it dating? I think I think the dating is a huge one, man, but only only because of what it represents. Not because of what it actually is. It's like is it is it better that you aren't drinking before dates and you aren't feeling as anxious? Yes, but what's really impressive is the transformation your your transformation in the way you're understanding how to relate to the world and what your place in it is Mm. you know like you've that represents a way that like you don't see your place in the world as the same place as it was when you were drinking like you are a being who's at ease in across another being rather than it being some weird game where you're anxious and trying to make make them manipulate like reality right <laughs> so it's like the dating thing i think represents a bigger change and that bigger change is you've reformulized your place in the world in the way that you view yourself and i think you know the confidence you've built through sobriety through getting through those tough times like that has translated to your work it's translated to everything like yeah it just is the way you are now where you you come to the world as this new person that's free of some of the, the like the baggage and the beliefs that you had right it's like compounding interest like, yeah like it, it could be anything right like it could be stopping drinking it could be working out it could be whatever it might be but it's like if you make one change in your life you can show up in the world in way different ways yeah if you get in shape you might be more confident now you're more confident so you get a better job you get a better job so you have more money for me it was you know i quit drinking i feel super raw in the world i feel vulnerable naked i feel naked but i i have no choice i have to do all of these things in the past 10 years that i've been nervous and so i drink i have to that's not an option anymore so i'm nervous i do it 
it's okay. I gain confidence. Yeah. And then you repeat that 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 100 times. Mm -hmm. And now things start to be okay. Now I realize, like, you know, I've done this before. I can do it again. And then you start expanding that into other areas of life where you're like, never done that before, but I've done a hundred other things that I've never done before. It's going to be okay. Totally. It's like the compounding interest of, yeah. of a life change. Yeah. And it's, it's the shedding of, of like false beliefs because it's, it's these ideas that we have that get in the way of us. So it's like if you t- if you were to isolate one thing that you've overcome, like the public speaking or the speaking in groups, you've grown so much in that regard. But a lot of it's a, it's a it's a revealing of what the truth is because there's a thought of like, oh, I, if I talk in front of people, I'm gonna stumble over my words, and if I do that, that they're gonna think I'm dumb, and if I'm they think I'm dumb, then maybe I'll get fired. Yep. It's like this layer of lies, mm-hmm. and the more you go into it raw and experience it and get through it and survive it. And even if it doesn't go well, you experience it not going well and you survive that too. It's like, well, shit. (laughs) And it's just like proof to your brain. Like, I think our brains really do want proof. They don't want promises. Like, that's why I think you can't think your way into these things. The the brain wants proof. And you gave it a shit ton of proof over and over and over. And it's like, all right, cool. We got this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, that is something that, you're like you're right i didn't overcome the public speaking thing by public speaking yeah maybe in a way yeah but i more so overcame it by just like you said layers i did this and it was okay i I almost like worked up to it yeah and then yeah now it's okay like i really i haven't had my voice shake the way that i used to be terrified of it in years dude like and to connect that, like when I talked about the, the, the dating being a representation of the broader change, I think that's the same thing. It's like you didn't go to a public speaking course, but you, you, the beliefs about yourself changed. Mm-hmm. You didn't go to a dating course on how to be calm on a date, but you, your beliefs about yourself changed. So all of it is about the, the internal transformation, and sobriety has allowed you to do that, right? It's like... Yeah these tiny changes I mean you could even imagine imagine like one negative belief you have about yourself or one negative thought that pops up imagine who you would be without just that thought like if you never had that thought again just getting rid of that thought and never came again into your universe your entire life could change because you might show up to the public speaking different you might show up to the date different you might show up to your work different yeah so like it's actually these tiny 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 thoughts and ideas and stories that once they're gone you're free and then you're here then you're just there like you you, it's almost like trusting yourself yes when you that's really what confidence is i guess is like trusting yourself yes and that's how i feel that i can show up now it's like i don't we didn't plan this podcast right we sat down and we trusted that we'd figure it out like yeah we and you know when you're living anxiously that's tough to do like it's tough to trust yourself it's tough to or when you're telling yourself these lies it's it's tough to trust yourself and let yourself get into that moment yes i think the trust piece is crucial because because for the trust to be there it's like in a way nothing has to be there and when like for we're talking right now 
but it's just happening. We're just flowing. Like, but there's a trust that like, I'm going to get to the end of the sentence and it's, it's going to make sense. But like, I'm not trying to like control everything. Mm. I'm just allowing it to happen. Right. And so that trust is really that it's a, it's presence. It's a flow state. It's all these different words that we have for trusting that what is happening is what should be happening. Not trying to think our way into controlling it. And what typically happens is we're equipped to handle it. Like we just, we are. And if we're not equipped to handle it and it doesn't go well, we're equipped to handle what happens after. Right. It's like, it's never, the the self-trust is, is crucial. I think with all this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think trust comes from proving to yourself that you'll do what you say too. Yeah. Which is like, you say you're not going to drink and you drink. Why would you have trust? Yeah. If you say you're going to work out and you don't work out, why would you trust yourself? Mm. So like, I think those are part of those small things that add up to the moments of like showtime, quote unquote. It's really not that, but those are the moments when we're living anxiously or unconfidently that that's showtime, Uh, like the date or the podcast or the the presentation. But really, it's just another thing. And if you are doing the small things right, then yeah. Once that moment comes, it's just another thing to do right. Want to know? <laughs> exactly. Want to know? I, I think I think it was Naval Ravikant, but he said something like, "Self-esteem is the reputation you have with yourself." Ooh. And I think that's what you're talking about when you don't. When you say you're going to go to the gym and then you don't, it's like no one knows. No. Like, it, that's a that's a personal thing. But like, you know, and you know that you told yourself you were the guy that goes to the gym in the morning, but you're not that guy. Yep. You're not that not based on what happened today. I'm not that guy. And that that builds up, man. The more you tell yourself, I'm the type of guy that's this or I'm not the type of guy that does this, but then you don't live in alignment to that. I mean, it's better to just be truthful. It's better to just say, you know what? I'm not the type of guy that goes to the gym in the morning. <laughs> that at least that's true. At least then you can figure then it can, out. Yeah, you can work from the truth. I you know what? I am not the type of guy that likes to go to the gym before work. Okay, cool. Now now that there's some sand to play with that's true we can work with that but if you wake up every morning and say if you go to bed at night and say i'm the type of guy you have your fucking uh your uh, affirmations on your mirror it's like i'm the type of guy that goes to the gym in the morning but you're not it's like don't start there yeah start somewhere smaller like just start with the truth and then figure out who you really are because you're what you really want will typically reveal itself i find talk about that it's just I think like if you really want something, if you really, really want it, you'll probably get it. Like you'll probably find a way to get it. Now I know that's black and white, but if, if I say I'm the type of guy that does this thing, if I really wanted it, then I would do it. But there's something that you really want. Like it's like the things that you do right now is what you kind of want. Now there's things outside of your comfort zone that you might want, but like, I just think it's, it's better to be honest with yourself. Like I actually don't want this thing. Maybe IG and self-help has persuaded me to think I want to be this type of person, but it's not true. Yep. That's okay. You don't have to be that person. You don't have to be the entrepreneur. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be anything. You can be honest about what you want. You know what I mean? 
I think, yeah, and you've talked about this point before and it's really stood out, but it's like, I'll just use the example that we kind of give each other shit for, where it's like, I want to be a YouTuber. Right. It's like, do you? Because I'm pretty sure you'd make a YouTube video <laughs> if you wanted to be a, like, that's, but I, I do that too, where I want to be this, but do I? Because I don't, my actions don't reflect that. Yeah. So did I just make that story up in my head? I think that's, that's how I think about it with myself because I've said, you know, I've, I used to say it for real, but now I say it as a joke, like, Oh, I want to be a YouTuber or a creator. And is there a part of me that wants that? Yeah, that would be sweet. And it would come with annoying pain and whatever. But when I look at my life, what do I really want? Well, it's very clear what I want. Like you can walk into, you could, if, if you put a camera on me all day, 24 hours a day and then you gave it to a stranger and had him watch it and said with no audio he said what does Tyler want they look at it and be like well he's at his desk most of the day looks like he's working he's pretty focused looks like he's talking to customers he might be in some type of selling role and then he spent some time with his girlfriend and they had some quality time together and he his apartment's pretty nice and he lives he lives in Austin. You know what I think what Tyler wants is he wants to be successful in his career, have a nice relationship with a woman that he loves, spend some time in a cool city. That's what they would say. Like and that's perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Like there is no universe where people watches that clip of me and thinks, Tyler wants to be a YouTuber <laughs> or Tyler wants to be a writer. Now, is it possible that in five years someone records me for 24 hours and I'm sitting there and just writing all day and I'm writing poetry in a book. Yes. But that's not my reality right now. Right. So it's just more, it's more interesting to work with the truth, man. Yeah. The truth is watch the video. I want to work right now. Yup. That's it. I'm thinking about me when you say that and it's like probably an off air discussion, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, that can be a brutal exp thought experiment too. Yeah. To, ha to imagine someone watching a clip of you on a day of your life and be like, what does he want to right. achieve? Yeah, I mean, God, that's... Sometimes in sobriety can be overwhelming, too, when you start thinking, like, all the areas you can improve in. And it's like, sometimes it's just like, damn, I just need to be sober today. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't even tackle that right now. But isn't that a big enough... Isn't that, like... Now that wouldn't show up on a videotape, but isn't that a worthy, that's a worthy life. Yeah. I think anything can be completely worthy of full, sincere commitment. Whether it's one tiny thing, whether it's staying sober or whether it's, I mean, man, when I was in Asia and I would see the monks, they literally do nothing. Yeah. All day for their whole lives. And so like in the Western mindset, it's like, that's, what are you doing with your time? But when I saw it, I understand the beauty of sincere dedication to something. It doesn't matter what it is. They were dedicated to sitting all they had day. Purpose. Yeah, they were on their purpose, even though it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything physical, but it's like we fall into this trap in the West with hustle culture and stuff that we need to optimize all this stuff. But really, I think a sincere desire to do even just one thing really well is enough. 
Yeah. You know, like, and if that's and if we, t- today you wake up in that sobriety, then that's that's a worthy goal, man. I mean, and we can be happy, I think, as long as we, like, any situation, really, right? Like, yeah, you have this awesome apartment and it's great. Yeah. But like. We could dumb it down, you know? For sure. I think that w- about my career all the time. Like, I I enjoy a lot of parts of my career. And, you know, it's... it's Like, I am I would regret if I never lived this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I don't know if... Th- over, over time, I don't know if I need to continue this. It does add a lot of stress to my life. Now, would I have stress in another job and make it up? Maybe. <laughs> very yeah. well could um but yeah i i think about that all the time it's like i could be happy i think in a lot of different scenarios and as long as you have kind of your root sobriety mm-hmm. creating whatever it might be yeah like you just kind of that's your purpose and then everything else is just kind of to get by but like i'd be lying if obviously there's advantages to money too that can allow that yeah. stuff to to manifest more. Yeah, I, I, I kind of try to view it through the lens of, like, it's just an experience. So, like, hustling and making a bunch of money, great. That's cool. That's an experience. But it's just an experience. Um, living really simply and being a minimalist and living in a place that's maybe not super nice, that's just an experience. It's just... It's watching a sunset. Like, it's not going to, like transform your being you're not like like it's it's the i'll be happy when joke it's i'll be happier than or i was happier than it's like no it's just an experience it's like hopping on a roller coaster you might have fun on it you might not have fun on it but it's just an unfolding and it's in keeping that framework has helped me maintain a healthy relationship healthy ish relationship to material things because you know doing the travel, living out of a backpack, living in the dirt. It's like having that broad range of experience is super helpful because you actually know for sure that living in the dirt, I can be super happy. Making pretty decent money, I can be super happy, but also pretty miserable too. It's like once you have the wide range of experience, for me, that's been very rewarding because you realize that it doesn't matter that much. It's just like a thing to do. And you can have seasons. That's like the beauty of life. You can have seasons, right? Like one season you might want to make money. One season you might not want to make money. Like we're just because our parents and our grandparents didn't have different seasons of life. I think it's easy to think like that's how we're supposed to do it. But there's a lot of people our age kind of pushing the limits on that where they quit work for a year and travel and then they go back to working like you can do it however the fuck you want to do it like you could have a successful job and then i saw someone that quit and they're they work at a golf course now it was like a cart girl and they were like and i'm gonna do this for a year or something just like why not why not if you're gonna put yourself through all the stress and like you know you don't make money you don't no one makes good money for no reason so there's you're probably handling some sort of stress or you have a very valuable skill which was maybe stressful to obtain um you don't do that just to have the money like you do it so you can go do things and enjoy life and take time off to restore and and all of that like yeah 
so there's different seasons of life we can live like this is my sober grinding well halfway grinding stress overload yeah. uh dating push myself season in a way yeah and like that's cool i like this season and i don't have to think of the next season i can just live this season yeah yeah man i mean i think you're in an exciting spot and i think the the commitment to sobriety is great for you and i love that you're creating around it like when you think about how let's 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 just fit let's just consider this a new chapter of sobriety whether that's true or not like how does it how the way you're thinking about it how does it compare to six months ago or two years ago is it different does it have that same essence no it's different so like i knew my last like relapse was different and now it's like i'm doing the first time i ever got sober i'm doing it over again as a veteran yeah so i like know the challenges that are coming i i'm not near as miserable as i was the first 60 days of like last time you know um like the first time i just feel like what do i feel like i feel like just it's almost like exciting like i get to rebuild these like going to the sober happy hour the other night meeting gabby like hanging out with gabby like that stuff is it's like oh i remember this in a way and also just like the pure connection of like you know jasmine and gabby like meeting them and like experiencing and being present and yeah yeah and knowing i'm not gonna drink not leaving the door open at all Mm. it's just different i don't know i don't even know if that made sense but it's you think you're gonna you think you are doing things differently or will do things differently and what will those be yeah like i definitely want to engage in real life with sober people which i'm kind of doing down here for sure yeah, you've been doing that already um when i get back to kc i know like more sober people now than i ever have there i'm gonna definitely like engage in that world um yeah i want to in real life community i think that's going to be big for me yeah yeah because you you've had the you've done both you did you did like a digital community yep and then of course you have the podcast community yep but there is something to the the and IRL like, you know and now I'm not scared of like being in a group setting that doesn't make me as anxious as it did mm. two years ago work definitely helps with that I mean my job is to speak in front of CFOs and CEOs and VPs helps, man, yeah. uh, and convince the I mean, that's really yeah, what our yeah, job yeah. is. We don't like to use that language. Yeah, it's, but it's, there's some persuasion. Our job is to convince them to spend money with us. So, like, what the fuck? Why would I care about introducing myself at a AA meeting, which used to terrify me? Um, so, like, that has been eliminated, so I don't have that scare anymore. Um, yeah, I just want to, like... It's silly, but I use the excuse of like, okay, I'm going to Austin. I'm going to engage in real life sobriety there. And then when I come back, Mm -hmm. it'll be a momentum. But like I just the way it's gone in Austin so far, I have confidence in doing that. Now, the danger is going to be routine because I have my routine back home here. I don't have a routine, so I'm creating a new routine. Um, So, yeah, that'll be the challenge. But do you want to change your routine in Kansas City? 
Yes. Yeah, I want to. And I and part of that's going to be spring and summer, dude. Yeah. Like winter in the Midwest is just brutal. It's like, why would you want to go? It's dark at 430. Why would you want to go out at six o'clock when you have to fight the snow? You're going to be cold. Like I understand why my routine shrinks the way it does. I don't know if that's. I don't know if, like, as I sit on this nice patio in short sleeves, if I look at myself there and I'm like, come on, bro, you could do better. But when you're in that moment, it's yeah. different. Um, but, yeah, I do want to change the routine because I want I want there to be more sober IRL shit going on. Maybe not routine, but, like, once a week, yeah. something. Yeah, it sounds like it's the, the routine isn't the isn't inherently bad or anything it's just like you need to add something you need to break create space for this new irl connection yeah yeah because i do you think you have the space to do it in your current routine like you just need to add it i don't you don't need to like change anything too much right my evenings are pretty open yeah i just but i have my evening routine but it's just like walk rocky like Mm. but now that the days are getting longer i have a lot because you know sun goes down at four or like really five sun goes down at five four thirty-five. the day just feels over yeah so now the days are getting longer you know that'll be really and if i don't do it then i just i make excuses yeah (laughs) yeah and then because i relate to this man because i remember you know last year my life went through a pretty big transformation and there was a point where i had to sacrifice some of the shit i really valued like a good night's sleep dude i mean there was i saw a few months there where i was not getting good sleep like five hours dude right? may if i'm lucky right and it's like i at first i had a ton of resistance to that but i always went back to like well dude what you were doing before wasn't leading to the thing you wanted yep. so sometimes you have to fucking overcorrect. and i definitely did that last year and it may it wasn't that sustainable after a while i burnt out a little bit but it did create this transformation that kind of like rolled like a wave like i needed to like break routine enough to where i even had to sacrifice things that kept me safe in my box yeah which i did love my box and i still do but like we all love our sometimes box. you gotta you do gotta break it right and a lot of the work i did with my therapist last year was around that it was around what's your box well there are all these things that keep me safe and I love them. That's the thing about it. You love them, dude. Yep. But they keep you there. So you can't really... Depends on the habit. Depends on the behavior. But sometimes you got to break them, at least for a little while. Well, the brain's trying to keep us safe. Oh, yeah. So safe like, and cozy, dude. Yeah. Which, I mean, I love that. Honestly, I love being... I've, so much of my life, I haven't felt peace that, like... I like it. <laughs> big, big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um big fan of peace so yeah I, I i would say i comfortably push myself right now yeah and i it's not anything crazy but it's like the happy hour pushed myself um can't think of a lot of examples in kc over this winter but like you know yeah comes and goes too i think i'm just a outdoor bad boy so you love being outside dude when when that allows me to do stuff i i feel more comfortable with that you think you'll facilitate any sober irl events dude maybe i don't know 
you say it on the podcast, you have to do it. So oh, that's why I asked. I don't yeah, know. I'm not gonna say that, but maybe I'll put something together this summer, like a sober hike. Yeah, dude. What if you had a uh, a podcast get meetup and like people from the community? Julie and I have in. talked about that, like doing something in Chicago, maybe even record a live pod. Oh, that'd be sweet, dude. That'd be fun. Yeah, and then just like a little event. Like a red carpet sober event. Could be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. Well, cool, man. Let's wrap it. We hit an hour. Did we? Yeah. We covered a lot of topics, man. We did. How you? How are you feeling? You enjoying Austin, man? I am. Yeah. I am. Especially this vibe right now. Yeah. You can see the whole city from this balcony. I can see the whole city from this balcony. <laughs>